Hello, and welcome to Data is Plural, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Singer-Vine. On this episode, we have biologist Pablo Medrano Vizcaino, whose data set of roadkill in the Ecuadorian Andes I featured in the July 7th, 2021 edition of the Data is Plural newsletter. Without further ado, here we go. Very happy to be here. My name is Pablo Medrano Vizcaino. Um, I have been working with road ecology. Uh, this is a not very known scientific field, but it's about people who are working with dead animals on the roads. So I have been working with this scientific field uh, maybe eight years, since eight years ago, when it started as my master thesis. And what motivated you to start researching road ecology? Well, it was because in Ecuador, where I am from, uh, the scientific field is not very known. So when I did this eight years ago, it was like, is there something happening with, with animals dying on roads? What is happening? So there was this was a suggestion of my supervisor uh, he told me what do you think about working with this topic and i said yeah it looks pretty interesting and i started looking for information and i, I saw that there was nothing and why do you want to know more about this topic what is the purpose of studying what's effectively roadkill uh well the purpose of studying roadkill is to first to know which animals are dying uh to identify the areas where animals die more, but there is something else. Why are these animals dying? Is there something about these animals? And also, why in the certain locations, why is roadkill higher in those locations? So it's like going a little farther. What can we do after that? Let's do something else like to reduce this this human impact. And I came across your work through a 2021 academic paper you co-authored with Santiago Espinoza, and you collected and then you analyzed data on 445 road-killed animals you found along three segments of road in the Andes. Could you tell us more about the process of collecting that data? Yes, of course. Well, it was a six-month uh, study. I was uh, working with with a friend sampling sampling these roads. We were sampling like two or three days per week. It was 99 kilometers. Each road segment was 33 kilometers. So we did this for for six months. We're driving this car at a an average speed of 40 kilometers per hour because it can help to to have a higher detectability if you go slower and what was that like you're in the car you're looking out the side of the road what was the process of trying to find these animals when we saw an animal it was like stopping the car uh, going down taking photos of the animal uh, taking uh, the coordinates with a gps uh, taking photos of the landscape what what is around it, the road you place and also, uh, we were taking some biological samples, some tissue samples, organ samples. It can be like a very repetitive work because it's like, okay, let's stop the car doing the same and all day long doing the same until you, you finish it. Was it a busy road? Yes, it is not a highway, but 
we were also counting vehicular traffic because we were thinking that vehicular traffic could be related to, to road mortality, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, we didn't find any relation, but the thing is that it can be different across the studies. Some studies have found out, yeah, there is an effect of if you have more road traffic, animals are dying more. But there are also other studies that says, no, if you have more vehicular traffic, animals die less. If you have animals that, that are reluctant to, to human presence, they are going to avoid loud noises, these presence of cars. But if you are sampling areas where you have a generalist species, like these species, like they don't care if there are humans or not. And so they, they just cross the roads. So obviously you are going to find like more dead animals with increased road traffic. Could you describe a typical side of the road where you'd pull over? What would it look like? Where were the animals in relation to the road? What did you see, smell? Okay, this thing about the smell was uh, a very interesting thing because at the beginning, I didn't have any experience about sampling roads in that time. It was like, okay, one of the things that I'm going to do is like, I'm going to roll down the window to, to be smelling if, if I can smell something strange or maybe there is a, a rotkill animal so but it also depends on how on the state of decomposition of the of the animal the study area was mainly composed by you have a river that is crossing very near to the to some segments of road you have a lot of agricultural lands there are some places with human settlements. There are some places with forests, but it is not like a very forested area. What did you collect specifically? What information or data did you collect about what you found? If we were able to identify the, the species, it was like, okay, we have the, the scientific name. Uh, what do we have around? If you have a, a river near near the road to the side, or you have a a house or something like that, like taking notes on what is around the roadkill. Also the GPS coordinates and taking some biological samples from animals that were in a good state. Were you ultimately the person identifying the animals or did you have uh, kind of species experts working on that? What was the process of the final identification? Well, uh, I work with mammals. I work mostly with mammals. So I was in charge of identifying mammals. Uh, the friend who was working with me, he's a neuropathologist. So he was helping me with the identification of amphibians and reptiles. And I have a friend who works with birds. So, and also my supervisor from my uh, thesis, he works with mammals. And sometimes if I have any further doubt, I have some other friends that I, I was like sending out, do you think it could be this one? Do you think it could be this one? And so working like a network, it's the, the best thing that you can do because it can be kind of a little challenging to identify roadkill animals. What other training did the data collection require? What? How did you prepare for this project? Uh, well, the training that you require is like very being very strong about seeing the animals on <laughs> because it can be very disgusting you can see a lot of guts blood on the, on the road so if you are very sensitive about this you're not gonna have a good time yeah uh, but you also need to to know how a gps works uh, to know how a cool gis geographical information system software works 
if you want to do landscape ecology analysis, uh, you got to know something about uh, the statistics. What was the most common species that you encountered? Opossums. Um, opossums are very common. And it is something that also happens in other countries. Or it's something about opossums that they are frequently roadkill. Uh, there are some hypotheses. Opossums have like a defending system. When they see a predator, they, they pretend being dead. So the hypothesis is that when opossums are crossing the roads and see a car, maybe they are watching cars as predators. What kind of animals are the hardest to identify correctly from roadkill? The small ones. There are some animals uh, that you just find like little spots on the road. And you know that this is a roadkill animal because there is some blood you can see for. These are very, very hard to identify. Also, small frogs. If, uh, if a car kills a, a small frog or a rodent, it's kind of impossible to identify. Unless you take samples and you conduct like a molecular analysis to identify which animal it is, but... That is something that requires more funding. That makes sense. And for an animal that you have not been able to fully identify, how do they show up in your data? What do they look like in your data? Uh, well, if I was not able to identify at the species level, it was uh, identified at a higher taxonomic level. So, for example, as I told you, Rodentia, which is the order for the taxonomic order for rodents. So it was, okay, I don't know which species is this. I don't know, the genus, the family, it just, it looks like a rodent. I cannot do anything else from this. It that makes sense. And you mentioned that you sometimes removed the roadkill you found from the road yeah. after you found them. Uh, I saw in the paper, partly to, it seems to avoid double counting when you yeah. drove by again. What did you do with those animals once you collected them? Uh, I was depositing these animals on a museum of, uh, of the university where I was studying my master's. So these animals are deposited there. There are other animals that are deposited in other museum of, of Ecuador. And I read in your paper that you also collected what you said was one undescribed snake species. Could you tell us a little bit more yes. about that? Yes. Well, in fact, uh, well, first I'm going to answer that. And after that, I'm going to say something else. Uh, that species, that was a very interesting finding because it was like, mm, we don't know what is this, but as I am not an herpetologist, so I, I was just speculating with my friend, and but I deposited that in the museum of the university where I was doing my master. And right now, in fact, it's this is a new species. It's called Atractus ucupacha. And it was described based on this roadkill animal. Wow. The thing is that there are also other roadkill animals that I deposited in, in this museum. And recently, in this year, uh, there was another species, snake species, described from a roadkill animal, from those that I, the, that I found it eight years ago. Fascinating. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And when you were driving along, you are collecting these species... Were other people observing what you were doing? Did you get weird questions about why are you stopping every however many kilometers? Why are you collecting these animals? Yeah, it it can be very... There are people who are very curious. 
these people are like, oh, okay, I haven't seen, I haven't seen you each week coming here. What's happening here? What are you doing? And sometimes people get interested. They say, oh, okay, I, I have commonly seen uh, animals in this place, in this place. And so I, it's nice because people get interested and it can be good for a citizen science project. In fact, I am working with a citizen science project here in Ecuador. Uh, it's been uh, very nice uh, to to have a lot of people interested in these and sending roadkill records. Neat. And how do they send roadkill records to you? Uh, at the beginning, I was using an app called EpiCollect. But uh, I realized that there are some people that cannot be cannot find this, this app like very friendly. And I applied other options like send me your roadkill record through WhatsApp. So they just send me the photo and the location of the roadkill. So, and that's the only thing that, that matters. It's like, see, if I have that info, I can project with a geographical information system and I can do more things with us. And I also can confirm identification with the photos that people send me. Now our main data source is through WhatsApp. Wow. People, people. People also send us through Facebook, Twitter. We collected more than 5,000 roadkill records in two years. Another paper that I read of yours that you co-authored examined data from 85 different roadkill surveys in Latin America. What are some of the differences in how different studies collect roadkill data? It can be very different. We had to standardize uh, data. We collected all the roadkill data from the 85 studies, but for analysis, we had to apply some filters. Like we just use uh, data from surveys that were done at least uh, once a week. Because some people also survey roads in a, in a bicycle, in a car, or even walking. If you sample walking, or in a bicycle, you can have a higher detectability. So there are some things that you have to consider before analyzing data. Now, it sounds like now collecting data on roadkill is very uh, effort intensive. You need someone to go and examine the roads uh, directly. Is there a chance that satellite imagery could ever help with roadkill data? It could help, but the bad thing is that it's even very hard to identify species when you are doing field work. So what used to happen to me, we were like driving on the road and it was, oh, that was that a, a roadkill? And okay, let's let's see, stopping the car. Let's see. No, no, it was just a banana. <laughs> so, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Bananas were the, the most confusing things that we found. It was, was that? And, yeah. And it used to happen even when we were like experienced uh, doing this. But Are there other objects that look like roadkill at first, but aren't? Rubbish can be very confusing. Or also the sticks, like, was that a snake? Ropes also, because in this area, there are agricultural lands. There are people who use ropes for, for their cows and... That makes sense. So I guess it could be very challenging using satellite images. A big thanks to Pablo for this interview. Our conversation, like all others on the podcast, has been edited to fit into 15 minutes. Additional thanks to Nikhil Sanad, who composed this season's theme music, and to Brian Banks for helping to shape the entire endeavor. 
And thank you for listening. To subscribe to the Data Is Plural newsletter, visit data-is-plural.com. Thank <laughs> you.